92.3 and AM 16.20. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Uh, of course, it's been a little bit of a problem in the uh, in the past, oh, 10 months or so to see anything live. You know, we've had this little thing called COVID-19 going on. And, uh, well, I say little thing. It's, it's a big thing. We all know it's been a big thing. We all know what it is. We all know what a drag it's been to deal with. Uh, so it's been a little hard to have that live experience, whether we're talking about live music or live theater, stand-up comedy, uh, you know, anything that you would go out and, and enjoy a live performance of the arts, uh, it's, has been more or less on hold with some exceptions. And, uh, so I've got somebody on the line today that's, uh, that's trying to do something about that. And, and as part of an organization that I'm a member of as well, uh, at the Indie Art Council of Pensacola, uh, Chris Jadala is joining me. Chris, welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Julio. I appreciate it, man. Always glad to have you, sir. I know you've been on the show before, and uh, I wanted to talk about this new program that, that we're putting together, that you're really the uh, the creative uh, force behind this program. You were, you're the one that uh, came up with the idea and is, uh, I, you know, I'd say is, is the program director of, uh, of what we're calling PAL, or Pensacola Artists Live. Uh, but before we get too far into that, because I don't want to just assume that everybody even knows about the organization that you and I are founding members of, which is Indie Art Council Pensacola, and uh, and kind of what we do and what we uh, why we exist in the first place. So to, to start out, tell people a little bit about what Indie Art Council Pensacola is. Absolutely. So Indie Arts Council Pensacola kind of came together to really help facilitate artists and help them have a voice and you know, give them a platform to perform, whether that's helping them, you know, secure a place to do a show, helping them uh, find some kind of grant money, something like that. Really, the whole idea behind Indie Arts Council is to support the local artists in Pensacola and grow the art scene in Pensacola. Uh, it's never been a better time to be a creative in Pensacola. However, you know, as anyone who's been to other places has seen, uh, there are still some, some shortcomings and pitfalls that we face, uh, being a smaller market and that kind of thing. And and the Arts Council is here to um, facilitate those artists, help us grow into hopefully a bigger arts market so we can keep this thing going. Yeah, and when we talk about that, we're not just talking about uh, support in terms of money, although we certainly hope that's something we might be able to help people with. We're talking about exposure. We're talking about <clears throat> helping people meet other people that could help each other, whether it be creatively Absolutely. or financially or uh, or just finding an audience. You know, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that, and, 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 you know, also helping people to learn and grow their craft as well. It's, it's all something that goes into the, the overall mission statement of our group. We've, uh, the group's been together for, oh, about a year and a half uh, in, in some form or the other, and it has a lot of ramped up. We have done a couple of other uh, events in the past that you might have uh, heard about or been a part of. We, uh, we did a uh, comedy workshop and performance show with Kevin McDonald from the Kids in the Hall uh, a little less than a year ago. Uh, no, excuse me, a little more than a year ago. I'm sorry. I'm getting my time. This COVID has just screwed up everybody's timelines. It's, you know, sometimes it feels like things have been a week ago and they were two years ago. And sometimes it feels like they were two years ago and they were a week ago. Right. But yeah, that was a little more than a year ago. That was uh, that was in the summer of 2019. 
And then at the beginning of uh, 2020, we did a full-on comedy festival. Uh, one of the last few things we were able to do before uh, before everything shut down for COVID, we, that was in January of, of 2020, where we did a big show at the Sanger Theater with Gilbert Gottfried and Orny Adams and Donnell Rawlings. And then we had a, a bunch of other stand-up comedy venues. We did improv. We did... Uh, another run of Evil Dead, the musical at Vinyl Music Hall. So we had musical theater, we had dinner theater, you know, a little bit of everything that's involved in the comedy world, as well as uh, educational forums and uh, panel discussions. And it was kind of like a, a cross between a, a big uh, a big set of shows and something like Pensacon, where there's, you know, kind of the, the whole fandom slash panel discussion side of it during the day. And uh, had a great time with that, and uh, we hope to bring that back uh, maybe later in the year, or, or you know, depending on how things go, uh, both COVID-wise and uh, and financing-wise. But we do uh, we do intend to bring that back. But in the meantime, while we're still in a position where folks can't go out for the most part, I mean, you you can some things are open, and you may choose to go or not go depending on how your uh, your personal concerns are risk with tolerance. this. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it, risk tolerance. It's, uh, you know, some people are choosing to go out, some people aren't, but uh, a lot of things are still closed. We still don't have a lot of live music venues open. We don't have a, a whole lot of stand-up comedy going on or any of the kind of stuff that, you know, we've come to know and love in this community, be it dance, arts, you name it. So uh, so Chris yeah. came up with this program that, that we're starting called Pensacola Artists Live. And I'll let you tell the folks a little bit about what that means. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a shame. I feel like in Pensacola, we were just like, I feel like we were just getting over um, uh, kind of a hump. We had a lot of stuff going on. Stand-up comedy was popping up everywhere. Of course, coming off the comedy festival, which is an amazing, amazing experience. Um, yeah, so COVID really came at just a really awful time, obviously, for everyone. But in Pensacola, we really had a bubble uh, starting to, to grow uh, in the arts community. Um but, uh, yeah, so Pensacola Artists Live was uh, an idea that I actually had back in April, kind of when the pandemic was uh, just getting started. And we were, you know, I think anybody who was a, a creative or any kind of artist um, was banging their head against the wall trying to figure out what the heck can I do now? I can't, you know, especially during those quarantine times, you couldn't even leave your home. We're not supposed to. Um it was it was tough to try to figure out what the heck can I do to one keep myself you know creatively fulfilled and then two help out uh, the artist community that's also struggling. Uh, whenever you know video is a part of your life, I, it almost feels like responsibility for me to step up and figure out what can I do with you know these tools that I have. So yeah, Pensacola Artist Live was yeah it came up in April and you know for one reason or another the biggest thing for me is you know at the time and kind of going into that year, uh, we were not sure uh, safety concerns because um, getting people together at all seemed like a bad idea. And, uh, you know, Pentacle Artists Live, I guess let me say what it is. Um, the idea is to basically live stream um, artists doing their, doing their art. Uh, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I saw all these awesome people, you know, all these amazing artists, all these amazing musicians, setting up their cell phone in the garage. And, you know, I saw guys doing like dueling drum set solos and that kind of thing. And they were sitting there with their cell phones and had a little tip button at the bottom of the screen. And they were making 500 bucks a show. And they were just sitting there jamming for a couple hours. And 
people were kind enough to support their artist friends and keep it going. I thought that was the coolest thing. It's like, wow, that's amazing. What what like what a time to be alive where we can do this and, and keep it going. Um, but the thing that I noticed, of course, it being a cell phone, is that it did not um, sound super great and it, you, and it didn't look super great. You couldn't even really, you couldn't hear really how great these artists were. It wasn't really giving them uh, the respect that there are demands because, I mean, uh, when you go to a live show, it's so much about how it sounds, obviously. When you've, you've heard a bad sound set up, it's not good. So what I wanted to do was provide that same kind of idea except ramp up the video quality and ramp up the audio quality. So now um, these artists can really shine and you can hear and see everything they're doing. And really, really, the, the big thing is try to capture how it felt to be at a live show. So we're like, three cameras, you know, one of them is going to be, at least one's going to be handheld. So it kind of feels like, you know, you are there at the concert and feeling it. We're going to light it up, uh, all that kind of thing. Be cut in between the three cameras. We're going to have a professional uh, sound uh, guy, Mr. Brandon Mater, will be there uh, setting up our sound, making it sound perfect. Um, so the idea is really to capture the live performance, uh, stream it out, and then, of course, bring up that little tip button at the bottom of the screen. So you can donate to your band and the artist, and not to mention donate to the uh, the guys helping me with the stream, which is going to be Ryan O'Keeley and Brandon Mater, and then of course donating to the Indie Arts Council, who's helping us put this all on and well, really facilitating it all. Well, speaking of, we've got to put up the uh, the tip jar for the station here for a moment here. We do have to take a little break. We've got a lot more to tell you about this great program, and we'll be back in just a moment to do that. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. <laughs> When I'm drunk, I can feel The good times wash over me All the smoke from the bar Bathed in collective suffering When I'm high, I can feel The devil right behind News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We have been talking about the new Pensacola Artist Live program that's coming from Indie Art Council Pensacola with Chris Jadala, who's the vice president of the organization and uh, kind of the creator and pro, uh, program director of this new program. And uh, I wanted to come back with a little bit of what people are going to hear in the first edition of PAL, uh, which is the band Faux Fox from here in Pensacola. Uh, that's a song called Judas of Azalea. And uh, Chris was telling me in the break that that is uh, a song that uh, pays tribute to one of uh, Pensacola's favorite watering holes, the uh, the Azalea Cocktail Lounge, or better known as the Z. And uh, and uh, the idea of uh, all the, the biblical figures of, uh, of Christendom meeting at the Z, which uh, I'm not sure hasn't happened before, to be <laughs> completely honest. I mean, I, I think you run into just about anybody I'm at sure. the Z. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so, so that's going to be the band, and I, I don't want to mislead people and think that every every episode of PAL is going to be a band, but we're starting with a band. And uh, mm-hmm. t- tell us a little bit about uh, about Faux Fox and what led you to 
approached them to be the first artists on PAL? Absolutely. Uh, Faux Fox is a super talented local band. Um, you know, I, um, I've been following them for a long time. I've, I've got good friends that, have, that are in the band, and they've been, some of them have been playing together, you know, for uh, over a decade, you know, nearly 15 years. Some of these guys have been playing together since high school. And um, they're just a, a super polished local band that uh, really pays attention to, to every piece of making music, from how it sounds, to the production of it, to the lyrics, to every, every little piece. Um, so I knew they'd be a good band to kind of test this out with because I know they're going to come in uh, polished, ready to go, and um, really put on a, a fantastic show. So very well, talented dudes, yeah. We'll be looking forward to checking that out. And so, again, the first the first show is going to be on February 15th. Is that correct? That's correct, February 15th. Okay, so at 8 o'clock, and you'll be able to check that out uh, streaming over the Internet uh, on uh, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and YouTube, uh, just look for the, the various outlets of the Indie Art Council on uh, on all of those platforms, and you'll be able to check that out. And of course, we also have a uh, a page set up on Facebook and working on uh, Instagram and uh, etc. for uh, for PAL specifically. But we'll make sure that those streams are available everywhere to people check to check out because we want that to. Mm-hmm. To be available, and you, you were getting into this a little bit before uh, before the break. It's not just a matter of uh, of exposure that we're we're trying to provide with this series. Uh, we're mm-hmm. we're 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 trying to make a little bit of money for everybody involved too. You know, the Indie Art Council is an as a not for profit group. We're actually in the process of becoming a four hundred one, or excuse me, five hundred one c three. I was going to say four hundred one k. That's not right. Uh, a five hundred one c three. We could be a four hundred one k, but you know, I, I don't I don't think that's going to quite work. Uh, but a 501 C3, yeah, 501C3 tax exempt organization, uh, you know, with with our not for profit mission, we're eventually going to become a full nonprofit as soon as we can get all of that uh, that paperwork and gear. And uh, so, part of what you're doing will be to to support Indie Art Council and its mission to you know help uh, all of the various independent artists in the community, not just faux fox or not just our you know. Chris is uh, an Absolutely. artist, an artist himself, of course. Most of the people that are in the organization are artists themselves. Uh, but, Absolutely. But you know, the whole arts community. But then we're going to make sure that everybody that's involved in putting this on is is getting a little bit of money from your donations too. So the band will get some money, uh, the the video team, the audio team, everybody will will get a little bit of of that donation. And you can find out about more about the breakdown and such on uh, on our website. Or the PNJ did a great article this week too. You could uh, check that out on their website on pnj.com. So, uh, so you know, it's not just the the exposure. You, know, you hear people asking artists to do things for exposure all the time, and absolutely, yeah, exposure is yeah. exposure is important. But it, I, I've yet to get golf power to take exposure for my light bill. Absolutely, and that's something you know. I think another part of um, in the mission of IAC is to try and you know uh, break that mold of, of artists and physical are working for free. Obviously, there is. Uh, always going to be a place for that. There's community theaters and things where that is what it's all about. But at the end of the day, you know, some of these folks are, are gigging musicians or, or, or making a living with their art or, or trying to. And uh, I really want to support that cause as well and help them. You know, some of the, all these gigs stopped and they had nowhere to go. So uh, if we can help put a little extra cash in their pocket, that's also great. But again, the number one uh, concern is just supporting the arts, giving them a platform and, and uh, letting people see what they can do. And of course, we're actually going to provide a little incentive to uh, get you to to throw a little bit of, of green in that uh, tip jar there too. 
Uh, we, we're doing these performances from the greenhouse at Garden and Green. That's part of the Perfect Plain Complex in downtown Pensacola. And uh, they've been kind enough to not just give us the space, but to uh, give us a pretty nice uh, little lagney app to give people that give us some money, too. Absolutely. Tell us about that, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, D.C. Reeves over at Perfect Plain is always a huge supporter of any wild idea that I come to him with, so I appreciate that, and I've come to him with lots. Um, but, uh, yeah, so for every $25 donated to Perfect Plain, they're going to give out a free beer. So uh, that means, you know, if you donate $25, that's a free beer. If you donate $100, that's four free beers. So uh, for every, you know, every $25 you donate, you get a free $7 beer. That's, um, that's pretty cool and just an awesome way for Perfect Plain and, and Garden and Grain to show up and say, they support the arts and are willing to be a part of this project. So it means a lot that yeah. they're, they're willing to come on in such a big way. Yeah, and let's be clear here. We're not talking about a Natty Light or, you know, Keystone Ice or something. Right. We're talking about, uh, you know, the, these small batch brews that they do in-house right there at, at uh, Perfect Plain. You know, these are, you know, craft craft brewed, some of the some of the best beer in Pensacola. We've got a lot of great craft breweries in town, but I think uh, Perfect Plain mm-hmm. is probably one of the best, fair to say. I'm not... Not just saying that because uh, I've known DC for years, or because uh, because they're a sponsor, because because they make a quality product. I'm not going to lie to you about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, so um, so yeah. So I mean, that's that I think is a great incentive for anybody. I mean, if you then you know you go and you sure. get your you get your next time you're going to hang out at Perfect Plane, you've got uh, you've got part of your tab mm-hmm. already taken care of. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned this a bit earlier, but I wanted to get into it before we ran out of time. You know that we're not just focusing on uh, musicians for this. So. Uh, bands are exciting and live music that is there's definitely going to be a, probably a lot of them. However, um, we are trying to attract all kinds of artists. And actually, the next show we are doing, which I confirmed, um, is uh, Painting with Poppy. Poppy Garcia, you might recognize as a local artist who's uh, done uh, all kinds of work, some of the most uh, established and uh, prolific work here in Pensacola. And uh, he is going to be doing a live painting show, Bob Ross style. Uh, but with Poppy leading it. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. That's our next show. Uh, Today the date is uh, March 15th. Um, going with that. So again, not just music. We only really want to get all kinds of artists on the show. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening and you're an artist and it's something you'd like to get involved in, you know, we are open to the complete spectrum of the arts. If you are uh, part of a dance group, if you are a stand up comic, if you are a poetry writer mm-hmm. slash reader, if you, uh, you know, Anything you do that could be considered arts, if you you know are a performance artist, you uh, I don't know theater. You want to you want to do a cabaret performance. You want to do uh, you know somebody emailed me recently, Chris. I need to pass this on to you. Somebody emailed me about circus performance. Oh, uh, yeah. So oh. so yeah, I mean you know there's there, the arts are very broad and and we want the programming to right. be very broad too. So Chris, uh, for for the artists out there, tell them how they can reach out if they'd like to maybe become a part of this program. Of course. Well, the fastest way to reach out um, currently, we are, our, our team is very small but mighty. Um, but reach out to me. Uh, you can email me, uh, Facebook me, Instagram me. My email is chris at filmsbycalliope.com. That's F-I-L-M-S-B-Y-C-A-L-L-I-O-P-E.com. Uh, but yeah, find me, Chris Jadala. Reach out. Um, as, as you go forward, I'm sure we'll find a more streamlined process to get this all done. But for the time being, just reach out to me and we'll talk. I can tell you we, we've gotten a lot of interest and uh, one of the things now is we're, we're only doing one show a month currently so with that in mind you know i'm like i'm looking for you know really far out right now but if you know one of the one of the things we're working on is just trying to fi- figure out uh, the financials of having a second show a month 
Um, if we can figure that out, then that'll change things a lot. But for the time being, reach out to me. I will, you know, I will hear out any artists uh, that want to come on the show. But please be patient, as we are just doing one show a month. Um, it, is, it is limiting on, on what we can do there. But uh, stay tuned. We might be able to, to figure out a solution to that and, and do a, another show uh, a month. But yeah, as the, we'll as, the, as the program is successful, you know, and by successful, I don't just mean lots of people watch it or lots of people talk about it, but lots of people put their money where their mouths are and, and, right. and donate to it. And if you are, you know, maybe you have a, a company that you'd like to promote or something like that, and you might be interested in sponsoring the program, we, we have totally. options available for that too. And you can, yeah. uh, you can certainly reach out to Indie Arts Pensacola. That's I-N-D-I-E. A-R-T-S, Pensacola, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's our address for the Indie Art Council. Uh, if you might be interested in, uh, you know, maybe sponsoring uh, sponsoring the program yourself, maybe, uh, you know, we could, we could help get you the word out about your company and you can help get the mm-hmm. word out about the arts and uh, and be a patron of the arts. And, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, we have that uh, that not nonprofit status coming soon. So that'll be something that you want to think about uh, financially as well. Uh, so, Absolutely. yeah, so, yeah, and of course, you know, like we said, uh, the, let's just remind people before we uh, before we run out of too much time. So the program is called Pensacola Artists Live. It's going to have live performances by all kinds of uh, people in the arts uh, in the community, independent artists. Uh, it'll be streamed live uh, once a month on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, YouTube uh, from the Indie Art Council Pensacola. And uh, the first one will be on February 15th at 8 p.m. with the band Faux Fox, who you heard a little bit of at the uh, the beginning of the segment there. So uh, make sure you check that out. Make sure you uh, go ahead and follow Pensacola Artists Live on Facebook. You can also follow Indie Art Council Pensacola on Facebook so that uh, you can keep up to date on what's happening with the uh, with the program and with the show. And you know, hopefully we get something going here. Uh, Chris, I'll let you take a, just a few more seconds to, to give your last push for this. No, I appreciate the time, Julia, and I appreciate you guys listening. Um, again, you know, I'm not taking a dime from this. The whole thing is to support the artists in the Arts Council and the, uh, the art scene of Pensacola. So if you want to support, want to be a part of it, reach out. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be something that people are people are going to get into. And we, and we, we didn't even mention, too, that once, uh, once these shows are done, we'll have fully edited video and audio ready to go that we'll be able to share out uh, both mm-hmm. via, via our outlets and the artists will be able to share via their outlets. It gives them something of a calling card. Uh, it's not just another way that we're going to be able to help the artists and help the arts community here in Pensacola. So we're very excited about it. Again, it's Pensacola Artists Live. Chris, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for being here. When we come back, we'll have Jeremy Branch from the Movies Are Terrible YouTube channel to talk about other things going on in pop culture and entertainment in the community. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. 
I am your host, Julio Diaz. Uh, one more big thanks to Chris Jadala from Indie Art Council Pensacola for joining us to talk about Pensacola Artists Live this morning. Looking forward to everything that's going to come out of that program. And again, the first webcast for Pensacola Artists Live will be coming up on February 15th at 8 p.m. Uh, just check out Indie Art Council Pensacola or Pensacola Artists Live on Facebook. You can get all the information there. Now we're going to shift gears and joining me on the line uh, to talk about everything going on in pop culture right now is one of my favorite pop culture panel guests, Jeremy Branch from Movies Are Terrible. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Now we can get to the important stuff, right? We're yeah. going to talk about WandaVision. I've been uh, looking forward to having this conversation with you, so I really appreciate you having me. Well, you know, uh, and I think we'll probably be talking about uh, about the show. Uh, you know, this is going to be one of those things where an episode drops every week, so it may be something that comes up in conversation on the show uh, every week for the next, I think we've got, uh, uh, let's see, it's nine episodes. We've had three, so six more weeks after this of, of new episodes dropping. It's going to be kind of like uh, The Mandalorian has been. It's this weird, like, and it's kind of appropriate for this show in particular. It's this weird throwback to when TV shows came on once a week instead of just all out at once. And uh, and so we're, we're, we're kind of, it stays in the conversation every week. It doesn't just like, assault everybody for one week and then goes away it uh it has some staying power to it so but uh, i i you know i say appropriately for this show because this show is really all about in in, in a big way the history of television and, and specifically the history of the sitcom in that every episode at least so far has thrown back to a particular era of sitcoms for sure but in some i think in some specific cases, very specific uh, sitcoms. I think, you know, the first episode was really that kind of late 50s, early 60s family sitcom, and but it, but it really, really heavily leaned on the Dick Van Dyke show. And you could see that in the set was basically almost the same set from the Dick Van Dyke show and that sort of thing. And then the second one uh, moved more into like the mid-60s and was very heavily bewitched oh yeah there's from the, the opening credits yeah, all the, the way through anime, and that's the, the opening credits change on every episode too so they match the the style of the era and in that case in particular they did the full animated credits much like bewitched and i dream of genie had the opening animated credits too uh so they had that like you know that whole magical housewife sitcom thing going on and then uh this new episode that just dropped on friday on disney plus the episodes come out every friday uh, was very much uh, into the early 70s and very much, it felt like a very Brady episode. Okay, let, I'm on the same page. Let's put it that way. Although although uh, no no kids at the start of the episode, uh, they, they, uh, you know, it was a Brady bunch without the bunch for a while. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, as, as, as we understand, they're going to continue to go on through the various eras of, sitcom lore through through the series but there's something more going on here too it's not just you know two superheroes in a in a sitcom parody every episode there's there's an overarching story going on here there's an overarching mystery going on here and there's an overarching darkness in with all this uh this sitcom full laughter the first episode they even filmed it in front of a live studio audience like like the old school sitcoms used to do so 
let's get your I, I'm trying not to get too spoilery, but I, I think it's going to be unavoidable. So if you haven't watched yet and you don't want to be spoiled on anything, you may want to tune out for the next, oh, uh, eight minutes or so and then and then come back to us. Uh, but uh, we'll try to keep it as spoiler free as we can. Jeremy, what's the overall impression you have on this so far? Yeah, um, it's funny because I wouldn't consider myself what you would uh, call a sitcom fan. It was never necessarily my favorite format of television shows. However, you and myself were of an age where it's hard not to get nostalgic over a lot of the things that I was watching on Nick at Night, you know, (laughs) things that my parents enjoyed. And uh, episode one I thought was really good. As you mentioned, Dick Van Dyke show, there was definitely heavy elements of I Love Lucy in it, um, especially in the performance. And I think that's one of the interesting things, in addition to kind of changing the opening credits, in addition to changing the aesthetic in every episode, they're doing a really good job of um, making the performances match with the particular style of sitcom that they're doing. And I stand hard for Elizabeth Olsen. I think she's amazing. She is the by far the superior of the Olsons. And I'm uh, wondering if... <laughs> Oh, I, I'm so hoping when we get to the 90s, it's a full house. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be, doesn't that. it? It, it I, does. It's it got to be. It's just got to be. I mean, because spoilers, you know, the Vision and Scarlet Witch had their, their children in this most recent episode. Uh, so, you know, the 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 seeds are planted for there oh, to be wow. the, the See, family I didn't even think about it, that they're twins as well, which in a way yep. kind of meadow ties itself into full house as well. So, all right, by that same coin, and then we'll go back to the general thoughts, but what does the 80s sitcom have to be? That's what my question is to you. You know, I was thinking about that when I was driving to the uh, to the studio, and I think that we've still got it, – it seems like the eras are, are kind of weird because, like, Dick Van Dyke was really, like, 61 is when it debuted. So there seems to be, like, some slow overlap. Brady Bunch was very early 70s, so I think we may see, like, a late 70s early 80s something thrown in there maybe something norman lear maybe you know mm-hmm. like, like an all in the family or a uh uh i, I guess it can't be good times with uh, with this particular family but because <laughs> that, that would just be wrong but uh yeah yeah but you know so, really like- so maybe you know one of those like socially conscious late 70s early 80s comedies might might make some sense in there uh and then i think when you get to like the mid 80s you're talking Cosby Show, Roseanne, because uh, ah. I, I think we got to stay with with the family of it all. I don't think we're going to get like a Cheers or a Seinfeld or 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 Friends or you know Friends getting a little later, of course. But I, I don't see them going to like the workplace comedy or the you know the friendship comedy. They've, they seem to be sticking to to family comedies sure. or, or you know sure. comedies that focus on a couple. I mean, I guess maybe we could you know, have like Dharma and Greg or something like that, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't see them going three's company. Yeah, I agree. Although, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Although that it would be interesting. Would be. <laughs> it would. It would. So um, episode one, I did feel like it is a good uh, kind of, you know, uh, offer up of what we're going to get in the show. But also, that said, we got to look at this thing from two different distinct angles because while we were talking about, avoid, or, you know, maybe listeners potentially avoiding spoilers – you and I are still completely in the dark as to what the hell's going on. Every once in a while, we'll get a pullout at the end of the episode to kind of give us a hint of this larger world and, and what's really going on. And I think you touched on it perfectly because 
on one hand, we've got this very earnest uh, homage to these very wholesome television shows, but I do think it's interesting how you can see the role of the housewife switch so dramatically, in particular from episode one to episode two. And Elizabeth Olsen, just, she's got that classic look, but she's able to kind of evolve with the times through the costume changes and all of those things. And I'm, I'm really digging all that. Um, to me so far, see, episode two has been the standout to me. However, they've all just had really good moments. In it. And I had no idea that episode one was actually filmed in front of a studio audience or if that was just something they were piping in. No, they, they really did do it. They really did do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think it just shows that they're willing to go the extra mile to really get that period detail and to, to recreate the feeling of that. But for me, um, and you and I have talked about this before, I feel like there's a bit of a monoculture with Disney and Star Wars and Marvel. And one thing that we haven't seen a lot of, in particular with Star Wars, less so with Marvel, but is really big swings into doing just something off the wall. And I was just kind of afraid that eventually it was going to get homogenized and I was going to get tired of it. And I'm still waiting for the other shooter drop, but they did something so outside the box to kick off uh, phase four and to do this kind of thing where I feel like Falcon and the winter soldier would have been the safer bet to start things well, off. Because and I do originally know that was going to be the first one. And then there were some production delays. So they swapped it up and WandaVision came first. I see that. Because to me, that would be the safer route to take because I have I've heard a little bit of backlash on WandaVision. I think you and I are kind of the perfect audience for this because as film fans, as people who might exist a little more in the critical space, in addition to strictly the fandom space, I think that it's it's the it's the risk involved with it. And I'm not 100 percent sure that I'm going to love the series when it's all said and done, but I love this sinister undertone. And I think we're setting up to something very big with Wanda potentially being the 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 star of this show, the protagonist of this, to maybe being the big antagonist in Phase 4 of Marvel. But, I mean, is that what you're kind of thinking? Well, I mean, that's a possibility, and, and, and we can swing back around to that. But I, I want to say I don't think Marvel has ever really been scared to take the big swing. I mean, you you look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge chance. There was no guarantee that was going to work. and. And it did, and it's fantastic, and now it's a cornerstone. But w when that movie was coming around, people forget how risky that was. You've got a movie with a talking tree and a talking raccoon, yeah. and yeah, it's in you're space. Right. Yeah, Ant-Man. Ant-Man was such a different movie than all the other Marvel movies that followed. It was a heist movie. You know, heist movie with superheroes? Who's done that? Well, now we've seen that. You know, So Marvel likes to take the big swings. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about WandaVision and then we'll move on when we come back. We've got to take a break. You're listening to News Radio 923 and AM 1620.
News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We've got Jeremy Branch from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube on the line, and we've been talking about WandaVision. We'll talk a little bit more about WandaVision, then I want to get to some of the uh, the other things that are going on in the, the pop culture world right now. But uh, there, there's a lot to absorb right here. And Jeremy, you mentioned something before the break that I wanted to come back to. Uh, and that's the idea that this is the kickoff of the fourth phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how this could possibly affect what's coming in the future. And we, we know by little bits of drips and drabs of news that have, uh, that have come out primarily from Kevin Feige, who, who runs the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe shebang, but also from you know other, other details that have emerged that... We know that Scarlet Witch goes from this series to appear in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which right. is the next Doctor Strange film that will be coming out. Uh, we also know that this film is going to have some effect on the next Spider-Man movie, which mm-hmm. uh, which certainly appears to be also be involving the multiverse in some way in that we know there's a lot of rumors flying around out there. So, no, I'm not going to get into all those rumors because until those come from an official source – they're not real. So you can sit here and tell me that, you know, everybody from, uh, from Andrew Garfield to Charlie Cox or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to throw in anybody that, that they've actually rumored. I was just going to go even more outlandish. You're going to tell me that everybody oh. from like <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld to the, the ghost of Larry Hagman is going to be in this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe it until it's reported in a, in a real and legitimate source, but there are a couple of castings that have been reported by real and legitimate sources. We do know that Jamie Foxx is in this movie playing Electro, which is a mm. character he played in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man series, which is a separate universe. We do know that Alfred Molina is in this movie, that he's playing Dr. Octopus, which is a character that he played in the Tobey Maguire series of films, which is a separate universe from the other two as well. And of course, we you know we we saw Jay Jonah Jameson back in the form of J.K. Simmons at the end of Spider-Man: Far From Home. So I would assume that uh, that he's probably in there somewhere. And of course, he played J. Jonah Jameson in the Tobey Maguire films. So yeah, there's something multiversal going on here. Whether it's going to involve past Spider-Man actors, it's heavily rumored, but we don't know that for a fact. So we're 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 not going to get into that, but. Yeah, so this is laying seeds for stuff that's going to come, as most Marvel things do. You know, it's I've I've heard I've heard it as a complaint from people. It's not a complaint to me. It's it's one of the things I love no. about it. But people complained that the first twenty three movies were like a, a a TV series that you had to go to the movies every few months to watch. I'm perfectly fine with that. It's, they're doing a great job. The entertainment is there, and 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 I'm good for it. So now that we're going to have actual TV series contributing to that too well you know okay i'm here for it as long as you keep doing good stuff and everything they've put out so far by my mind has been at least good yeah oh i completely agree some of it's been great some of it's been outstanding Uh, but when when the worst you got in your arsenal is stuff like uh thor the dark world and uh incredible hawk uh, iron man 2 was kind of iffy uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Captain Marvel in the world. I like the character. I like the actress, but the, the film itself was a little, mm. Uh, mm. but, but it was good. It just wasn't like, just blow my mind. Good. It wasn't guardians of the galaxy. It wasn't Avengers Endgame. you know, but that's fine. Not everything can be. So there's, there's definitely stuff that's building over arcing here. We also know that 
the character that we've seen as Geraldine in the the sitcom world that got thrown out spoilers again got thrown out of the sitcom world in in this most recent episode uh we know that that is Monica Rambeau who is the character we saw as a child in Captain Marvel the one that hel- helped her choose her that. helped her choose her color scheme so yeah that's that's Monica Rambeau interesting yeah, so we, we, we know that. We know that S.W.O.R.D. is involved, and that's that's an organization that will probably be, be a bigger thing to be played in Marvel. We've seen a couple of references to HYDRA. We know HYDRA is a big deal. Uh, you know, it's there, there's a lot going on here that's that's below the surface. And I think you can kind of watch the show on the surface level if you're not into the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. But if you are, it's just if you know what you're watching for, it's just so much better. And then if you are the comic guy, like I am, you know, okay. Uh, all right. So Billy and Tommy, huh? Those are the kids, right? Gee, who are Billy? Talk and, to me. Who are Billy and Tommy in the comic books? Uh, geez. I think that's Wiccan and speed from the young Avengers. I do not know. And, did not know that. Interesting. And you know, we have a, a, uh, Hawkeye series coming down the line. That's going to bring in, uh, in the, uh, the, the, the younger female version of Hawkeye, that's who is also a young Avenger. Uh, so, uh, mm, Haley so, Steinfeld, is, yeah, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, Haley Steinfeld playing the role, yeah. And then, you know, uh, another member of the Young Avengers is uh, Scott Lang's daughter, who, uh, you know, becomes Stature. And we've, oh, cert- wow. we've certainly seen Scott Lang's daughter a couple of times, and she's been aged up to teen now after the, uh, the big five-year gap between uh, Avengers... Uh, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. So, uh, you know, maybe we're seeing the Young Avengers getting started here. Does Scarlet Witch play into that storyline in the comic books? Well, I mean, she would, again, be the, the mother of two of the members of the group. Sure. So, and, and not the, an antagonistic role. Not a, I, I don't know why, Julio. And maybe, maybe correct me, but I, I just I feel like we are getting a setup to see how powerful she is. And you and I and Andy discussed this before. I feel like they're really setting the stage to say, like, she is a very powerful mutant, and if you cross her or if she ends well, up on the wrong side of your your uh, ally list, then you are in big, big trouble. Well, remember, no no mutants in this world yet. Because mm. remember, right. her official origin in this world is that she was the result of experimentation by Baron Von Strucker using the, uh, uh, I think it was the Tesseract. It's one of the Infinity Stones. So her and her brother mm. were got their powers via experimentation by Nazi scientists, basically. Whether that'll change or not, maybe, maybe that's something that changes with the multiverse. You know, I, we know we have the rights to the mutants now, so whether that'll be how they come into the Marvel Universe or not, that, that remains to be seen. There certainly has been a House of M Easter egg in the show already, which is a big mutant storyline in Marvel Comics. So well, What was that? That was the, uh, the, bottle of, uh, the bottle of wine in the first episode is from uh, the, the French on it translates to house of misery or house of m for short that's why i had to have this conversation with yeah. you i knew you were going to know some of the easter eggs and, and kind of fill in the blanks for me so uh yeah i watched episode three this morning really a big fan just can't wait to see where it goes yeah i, I i'm loving it and i i think it's hugely unpredictable i there's i mean there's stuff that's known out there that i know is going to come in some way but i don't know how it's going to come we know uh we've known through casting news that um Kat Denning's character from the Thor movies, uh, Darcy, is going to be in this series at some point. We know that uh, the the Agent Jimmy Woo character from Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Randall Park's character, 
is going mm. to be in this series at some point in some way. So I, I'm really looking forward to how that integrates and how we see these uh, these other ties to the larger Marvel universe. So you know that brings me to the other big news this week, which is uh, a lot again another raft of movies moving back their release dates, and it puts us in a situation now where the next big big solely theatrical release that's on the calendar is we're back to Black Widow now. Still, still set to come out at the beginning of May. And I kind of feel like with the plans Marvel has and everything they're releasing, that it's so delicate now that they've got to go ahead and go ahead in May. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at that as maybe where we start getting back to something approaching normalcy with the theatrical releases. But we did have, you know, the new James Bond, No Time to Die move back this week. We had uh, Sony's Morbius movie, which is tied to the Spider-Man universe, moving back. We had uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife moving back, and uh, another bunch of films moved back later on the calendar. So I, I don't know that Marvel can move a whole lot back and still maintain everything they're trying to do with Phase 4. So I feel like that's going to hold, and I feel like that's that's where we're going to— I think that sh- should jibe, too, with where we seem to be vaccine-wise. So uh, wh- what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I feel like I was sitting there kind of calculating in my head about how long the vaccine rollout plan was as we've seen it and how that corresponds to the the, the release date of, of Black Widow. And it seems like they would be very aware. And while they have really held, like held steadfast to the idea that Black Widow needs to be, um, you know, a theatrical experience, I'm very curious to how integral to things moving forward it will be um as you just now mentioned we're setting up these new younger takes on the avengers obviously florence Pugh is going to be taking the mantle of black Widow. i mean i say obviously we're under the assumption that florence Pugh is going to be taking the mantle we, we of know black widow moving forward we know for sure that she is a character we will see again because she has been announced as part of the cast for the hawkeye series so if, okay. if, if nothing else we know that that's a character we're going to see beyond that movie what that means for the Black Widow movie, I have no idea, other than I would expect that character to survive. I'm really glad to know that the next time a Marvel movie hits the theaters, we're going to be able to go and have that shared communal experience. It's something that um, I'm very impassionate or you know passionate about and something that I've been real uh, big advocate for holding on to that and to continue to have theatrical releases for for these big event movies, because there's, there's just, you know, something real special about having that thing that you and I uh, have been going to every MCU movie in the theaters since the beginning, since 2008. And it's just, it's become a fa- uh, like a part of the culture and something that uh, has kept me in love with Marvel as long as it has. Uh, we, I'm sure we will be discussing this more in the future, Jeremy, and I want to thank you as always for being here. Make sure you check out the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube for more with Jeremy. I will be back here next week with lots more for you folks. Until then, you're listening to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.